Welcome to the East Career Podcast, brought to you from the East Careers and Trauma Committee. I am Jamie Coleman from Indiana University. In this session, we are pleased to have Dr. L.D. Britt here with us to discuss So You Want to Become an Acute Care Surgeon. Dr. Britt is the Brickhouse Professor and Chairman of the Department of Surgery at Eastern Virginia Medical School. He is a renowned leader in American surgery and has served our community in a number of ways. He has been president of several prominent surgical societies, including the Southeastern Surgical Congress, the American Association for the Surgery of Trauma, the Halstead Society, the Southern Surgical Association, the American Surgical Association, the Society of Black Academic Surgeons, and of course, the American College of Surgeons, the largest organization of surgeons in the world. Dr. Britt led the way in the formation and the success of acute care surgery as a specialty, for which there are now over 15 ACGME accredited fellowships. He has authored over 45 book chapters and 155 peer-reviewed articles, and is a co-editor of the textbook, Acute Care Surgery. Dr. Britt has been an active member of EAST, serving on its board of directors, and is a keynote speaker for the Orion's Award and the Scott B. Frame Lecture. Dr. Brett, thank you for sitting down with us today. It is a pleasure. And at first, let me commend the Eastern Association for Surgery for Trauma for taking the lead on this. Uh, you all, again, having been a member of the, or still a member of the organization, it's just, I just want to commend you. You all have been a, just a, a prototype of what an organization needs to do as far as, you know, the, the, the clinical trials and all of that guidelines. And so, uh, I just want to, I just wanted to thank you. Thank you. As someone who was on the front lines in the development of acute care surgery, what do you see as the benefits of acute care surgery as a career for a current trainee? Well, it's, it's a major benefit because it's a competitive specialty. Number one, there's a public need. If you look at the shortages now, as far as, you know, the, the workforce shortages, uh, surgeons doing acute care surgical components, and I'll highlight those components in a minute, there's a major shortage there. Uh, and nothing against my colleagues who are doing transplantation and endocrine and breast and all that, but you have transplant, transplantation fellows, tra- trained, fellowship trained transplantation surgeons not able to find jobs because there's not a public need for it. Uh, you have obviously some HPB uh, fellowship trained surgeons not being able to find a job because there's not a public need for so many that are out there. There's a major shortage in this arena, and I'm just glad that we have a specialty that will address that, that, that void. So I think I so I think I'm excited about it. If I had to do it again, I would do it the same way. And some people say this is just a the next generation general surgeon. Well, that's not true because general surgeons define a lot of ways. Uh, breast surgeons are general surgeons. Uh, uh, endocrine surgeons are general surgeons. So there's a public need for it to have that specialist who can take care of the emergency needs, and that includes surgical critical care, that include obviously emergency general surgeon, that includes trauma. And uh, and I'm just so happy that we have a specialty addressing that. Now, is that the total answer? Probably not. We're going to still have to have some general surgeons that are equipped to take care of some of the, these problems in the emergency uh, surgical setting. Uh, but that, that's that, but that's another chapter. Are you aware of any quote unquote downsides to the field about which residents should be made aware? No, there's no downside. I think we have to go through branding. I mean, it's a it's a it's a new specialty, so you know, it, I think people expect for all of a sudden for us to have the same brand as a uh, uh, as a uh, surgical oncologist. Well, you know, they, they've had their specialty for a while. Uh, so we're going through the branding process, and I like the timeline. I I, I like what we have achieved so far. 
And at the end of the day, we also have to know our scope. The the fellowships will train what I will will train the change agents and the leaders that will advance the academic and clinical components. But we'll still need obviously soldiers uh, actually out in the fields and some of the community hospitals taking care of the the critically injured and the critically ill in the surgical arena. Dr. Brett, could you tell us a little bit about how you made your decision to become what is now termed an acute care surgeon? Oh, easily. I mean, because it's, it's a great challenge. Uh, the the stakes are high. I always like to be in something where the stakes are high. And and I like the reinforcement. At the end of the day, you have somebody who's critically ill or critically injured, um, and you provide a service. Um, and again, no, I, don't, I don't have anything against being a, a, a physician in a chronic care-type specialty, but that this wasn't for me. I felt it was, number one, there was a need for it. Uh, number two, it requires unbelievable expertise. It really, and you have to participate on a team. You have to have a high-performance team to have the, the best results. So all those factors were attractive uh, to me. All right. And then also, before a resident chooses a career in acute care surgery, what advice do you have to give in regards to self-assessment to determine if this is the right field well, for them? Well, let me tell you what I've what I told many. If, if I did not get paid a dime, I would still do what I'm doing. Now, I have to find some way to get some revenue to support my habits. Uh, if you can get to the point that you said, this is something that I would do if they didn't pay me a dime, then you're in the right field. And so I would tell the, the, the young people thinking about this has to be something that you're excited about, that you get up in the, in, in the morning saying, I enjoy my specialty. If you're getting up saying, oh, if I can just get through it, if I can just get over the hump day, I can't wait, then that's the wrong specialty. You, you're in the wrong field. Is there anything that you would change about the current field of acute care? Uh, we should have started it earlier. If I had to press the, the rewind button, we should have done this a long time ago. There's been a void for, 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 for at least one or two decades before this. We should have started this a long time ago. And we didn't, uh, but, but, but at the end of the day, we can't go back. And so if I have any regrets, I think this is an initiative that should have been started uh, years ago. Because there's a public, at the end of the day, there's a public need. This is not about ego and brand and all of that. Uh, this, there's a public need for this. I mean, you, you know, the, the emergency departments will tell you they had a, a survey, 75% uh, feel they have inadequate coverage of, of the patients that fall in this category. They're trying to search for somebody at 2 in the morning to, 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 for an emergency uh, uh, perforation. And so, you know, so we were, we were not serving the public well. And history will frown on us, but at the end of the day, we can't change history. But you asked me what would I do differently. Again, I, could, I can't do much as an individual, but I do feel that history will say that we should have started this a long time ago. And as a group, as a community of surgeons, do you think we will ever be able to fill that void, to fill that public need? Oh, I, I think we will because I think the general surgeons, who, as they try to overhaul general surgery, the true general surgeons, and we have, again, the transition to practice initiative and all of that, uh, that general surgeon will help in communities be that, that workforce required for these patients. Right now, we don't have that. There's, there's a void. I mean, you, if you remember that, we have over 3,000 counties in the United States, okay? Over 1,100 counties are without a general surgeon. Okay, then you add another three or four hundred that might have one general surgeon, uh, uh, 
then you're talking about half of all the counties in the United States without that person, that specialist. Now, I'm not even talking about acute care surgery specialist. Let's talk about filling the void is the question you asked me. So we have half of our counties not with the person who is likely going to take care of the perforated ulcers and the perforated diverticulum and all of that. Well, that's unacceptable. And so do I think we'll be able to fill that void? Yes, I do. But I don't think that the acute care surgery module, while it is a solution, it's not the total solution. But it gives a good template. And I'm hoping that my general surgery colleagues, the ones that will be doing just general surgery, will look at the, 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 the components of acute care surgery and put, make sure that's in the curriculum and that people are trained that way so they're not afraid to be general surgeons taking care of these patients two or three in the morning. And one other quick question for you is, where do you think elective surgery plays a role? Oh, it plays, you have to be kidding. It's a health. I mean, you, you have, you, if you work on a family, I just have, again, I, I'm, I'm seeing patients today. Some of the patients I'm seeing today, they were generated from family members who I took care of when I was on call for acute care surgery. So you'll get elective cases now. How do people deal with it? Some settings I've heard where you have to then turn over those cases to the quote-unquote elective surgeons. For me, I think that's a bad model. I think if you generate elective uh, surgical cases out of your acute care surgery specialty involvement, those patients should stay with you unless you don't have the expertise. And I would find that hard to believe. Okay. I'm not saying that you have to do a, a pancreatic or duodenectomy, uh, but some of the general surgery elective cases that just with hernias, and 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 elective gallbladders. I don't, that should stay on the. That's part of the acute care surgery component. That's just one of the derivatives. Now I know the politics. And some some settings you you just have to turn those patients over. If that's the way it is, that's the way it is. But 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 it, the, in the best world, in, in 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 utopia, I would like for those elective cases to stay on the service. And now at this point in your career, you have obviously been in the position to interview numerous candidates for medical school, mm -hmm. residency, and fellowship. Please describe your ideal acute care surgery fellowship applicant. They had discipline. Uh, they embrace the, 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 the greater good for the community, the public, not necessarily think about, you know, how many, how many days do I have off or what's my vacation schedule, that they truly have an, a desire to provide a service to a part of the the public that will need it the most. So I, I guess how do I make that assessment? I look at their, their volunteer work. Uh, I look at their work ethic, and uh, I look at the letters that talk about are they disciplined, do they have the work ethic. I don't care if they're AOA or not. They have to be obviously committed to providing a, um, a, uh, a service. Remember that when you took the Hippocratic Oath, it didn't say anything that, well, I'm, I'm, I want to be a physician, a surgeon, uh, during the weekdays. I don't want to do it on the weekends. That's not in the Hippocratic Oath. The Hippocratic Oath doesn't say anything about holidays or the number of vacation days. And so I try to find that person. Again, we want, you, you want to have a balanced life, but I try to find that person committed to the practice of surgery. And what specifically should residents do to become competitive applicants for an acute care surgery fellowship? Be involved. I mean, you know, there, there's not a component, there's not an a, a organization that don't, obviously will not open the doors for resident members and, and student members. Uh, and, you know, you have East, you have the AAST, you have the college. Uh, they would have to be in a cave with, 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 with no awareness to say, well, I'm, I'm not sure how to get involved because the doors are open. 
And if they want, they can call me. You tell, you tell whoever's out there. Now, I'll give you my cell phone number, 757-615-7199, and I will help them get involved. Okay. And next question for you is, what should a resident look for in a fellowship program? How do they decide? Well, there's 15. If I had to, again, let me just say, and again, I'm not against any of this, but you asked my opinion. If I plan on going into acute care surgery, then I'm going to look for one of those acute care surgery programs that are already accredited. Number one, you're able to sit for your boards for critical care. There are 15 there. You highlight those 14, but you're right. The 15 accredited programs. Those are the programs I will look at. Because those programs have had a robust review. Uh, a good review, and uh, they obviously they have all the components. They have emergency general surgery, they have trauma, and they have a critical care. And you're allowed to obviously to, to sit for the critical care board exam. So if I had to go back and start again, I would look for a fellowship in acute care surgery that's accredited. Okay. And looking back at your career, is there anything that you would change about your career path to date? I would be more prepared. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, I wouldn't change the thing." Those folks must be be on drugs. I mean, if you if I had a chance to do it again, I would I would try to be more prepared than I am now. Because you can always prepared? you can always improve on your preparation, always. And then, how would you address? Or do you see that if there are any threats to acute care surgery? As a well, you have people who are envious, but at the end of the day, you're doing what's best for the patient. And I think, uh, how do you deal with these political battles and this pushback? Well, if you're doing what ultimately is best for patient care, and we know there's a void for opposite patients who are critically ill and, and, and injured, we don't have people standing in line in the rain and snow to provide that service. If you stay on course, that this is bad, you wrap yourself in the American flag saying this is best for patient care, you're going to end up winning all the political battles, all the pushback. At the end of the day, this is a public need. This is not an ego need. This is not a money need. This is a public need that we're addressing. So then how do you view when people say that they actually see acute care surgery as shift work or that that's I, I, a, I, a good thing about the specialty? These, are folks, that, these are folks that are biased. Uh, I, I look at it the same way someone just saying that they saw Elvis Presley at a 7-Eleven. <laughs> I, 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 I give it no credibility because it's not shift work. At the end of the day, everybody has a shift. At the end of the day, you don't work continuously. You don't work continuously as a, 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 a patibulary surgeon. You, at some point, you have to turn over something. You don't work continuously as a as a as a um, uh, endocrine surgeon. At some point, you you break for holidays, you break for weekends. So this shift thing, I don't understand that. We all have to end at some point, and obviously turn it over to whoever's covering us the, the next day. Uh, I just think this is, that's a way to it's a distraction. Uh, I, I think there's a little envy when people say that because this is not shift. It's not shift. I mean, you look at the cardiac surgeons. You look at OBGYN surgeons. You have people being, you know, let's say you have somebody who's pregnant. There's no guarantee that that person who's been following you will be on call when you deliver. That's the ultimate shift. But no one says anything about that. So I think shift is part of medicine. Unless you just don't sleep at all and take no vacation and take no time off, you're going to have to give over some coverage at some point. Then do you consider us surgical hospitalists? 
Oh no, that's you gotta be kidding. The different no, no, no. no. Acute care surgeon not surgical hospital. Surgical hospital is surgical hospital. You look at the, the the program that started that was the program at UCSF. Most of those people that had just finished general surgery. I'm this is not this dispersing remarks, I'm just stating the facts. They they didn't have specialty training in trauma and emergency general surgery and critical care. I mean they were trained as general surgeons at a good place, but that you I mean you look at that original article that was in the bulletin. That's not that's not what we define as acute care surgery. I mean that's that's a that's a totally different animal. All right. And taking a thirty thousand foot view, what is the main message or piece of advice that you would like to give our audience today? This is some if you if you if you obviously decided to go into medicine to provide care for the sick and injured, um if you if you look if you if you Google that, uh probably what will come up is acute care surgery. Because you will be providing care for the sick and injured. And that, to me, is the cornerstone of medicine. Where should residents, if they are interested in pursuing acute care surgery as a field, where should they get more information? WST website and, and East. Well, thank you so much for your time today. On behalf of the East Careers and Trauma Committee, I would like to thank you, Dr. Brett, for Well, I want to thank time. you all. But East, I tell you, you all are making some some some, some moves. I mean, I, this this is wonderful what you're doing. Thank you so much. And I want to say, East Eastern Association for Surgery for Trauma is regional in name only. You all are a national organization. I want to commend you for what you do. Well, thank you so much. I am Jamie Coleman, and I hope you guys enjoyed the program. When you find a moment of time, please visit the EAST website at www.east.org for more EAST Career podcasts and other valuable information.